This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 108, Waiting on the Lord. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric, glad you could join us today. That's in the Bible is a podcast where we look at a variety of topics found in the Bible. Now, the difference being that we don't go by what a particular church, denomination, or religion has to say, but we take a close look at what the Holy Scriptures say is found in the King James Bible. To that end, we have three pastors joining us today. We've got Pastor Strobel, we've got Pastor Bear, and we've got Pastor Sutton. But let's start with Pastor Scott Strobel out of Lockport, New York. Pastor Strobel, how are you today? I am well by the grace of God. I know you had a busy day today, and Steve and I, before uh, we actually signed uh, on and started the podcast, were both wolfing down a sandwich here before <laughs> before the, the show began, because it's uh, it's been one of those busy days, hasn't it? Well, we're glad you could join Are us. Are talking to me? <laughs> I, I, I'm talking to anybody that'll answer. That's just the way I work. But yeah. How could you say amen? Yes. Amen. Busy day, busy days. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And speaking of uh, Pastor Stephen Bear, Stephen Bear, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Now that my belly's full, I'm doing great. All right, mine's not completely full. I, I you know, saved some room for for, <laughs> for dinner, but, but yeah. And uh, Pastor Matt Sutton up in the Arctic, how are you, sir? Hey, man, doing good. Good to be here. Glad you could join us. I know that uh, sometimes our connection can get a little rough there, coming all the way from the Arctic through the internet, but. I'm glad you were able to make that happen for us today. Glad you could be here. Amen. Amen. And I just wanted to mention that um, it's been a couple of weeks now from the time that you're hearing this, but we did get some some feedback from some of our listeners, and in particular one fellow from the United Kingdom that drives a truck and, and listens to That's in the Bible, and he, he prompted me. He said, uh, Eric, where, where are the transcripts you mentioned? And, um, well, it prompted me to, because we transferred from one website to another, and so I had to get all those 100 episodes plus uh, with transcripts carried over. And, and as soon as I heard him say that, I said, well, I got to do it. So I spent a couple of days to, to get those transferred. So if you hear us talk about a transcript, or I'm sorry, we talk about a show note or something uh, related to an episode uh, you will find that on our website at thatsinthebible.com, and just go to that episode, and, and you'll see it there. Um, so shout out to uh, to our listener there in the UK. Now, we have more than one, but uh, to our friends in England, hello. We also had another fellow join us and uh, contacted us and said um, he works um, on a cruise ship. He's out of the Philippines. Himself is from the Philippines, but he works on a cruise ship, and he was asking about we had any study on the Mormons, the Mormon Church, uh, what's it, the Church of Latter-day Saints? And uh, technically Church we... Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yep. Technically we don't have an episode on that. We did uh, actually talk about possibly putting one together, maybe having a guest join us and to present that information too. So um, 
Well, we don't have one right now. <clears throat> you can look for in the future that we, we may certainly have one up uh, very soon. But I was able to send him out some information on the Mormon church and what they believe. So uh, he can, I know he wanted to witness to someone else that I think was involved in that. And um, one of the things that when we made our new transition uh, with our web host and our new website, one of the things that we found is that we have pretty detailed stats now so we can see where folks are listening from and even what application they're listening on. And I was surprised to see that the Amazon Echo or Amazon Smart Speaker accounts for a lot of listens. And I, I, was, I was surprised, but I think Steve had some ideas on what that's Amen. about. Well, just the fact that I'd heard that uh, not only can you get the echo, let's say for the home and so forth, turning on lights or, or listening to things on the on that device, but you can also get it in the car, I guess. Uh, I don't have that kind of a feature, but from somebody who does said that, you know, if you just go to Alexa, play That's in the Bible uh, and so forth, and, and then they'll come up with the latest uh, episode. But if you're looking for something in particular, uh, you can specify, you can say, Alexa, play, that's in the Bible, episode number, whatever number you want to listen to, and then it'll come up. So uh, that's kind of a little feature that I just happened to find out about and uh, wanted to pass that on. So oh, That's pretty neat. I didn't, I didn't realize you could do that. I knew you could play, you could say, um, Alexa, play the podcast, that's in the Bible, but I didn't realize you could, you know, specify an episode, so... Do you specify by number or just the title? I think it's number. Just okay. the number. All right. Pastor Strobel, are you ready, sir? Yes, sir, I am. All right, well, here we go. Hey, man, I'd like to go ahead and start out with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for allowing this ministry here through uh, the podcast to be... Um, raised up. Thank you for uh, putting it uh, in Eric's heart some years ago, and um, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to minister and be a blessing and a help uh, to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ and to others, Lord, that are hungry for the Scriptures. So I pray for your help um, throughout all of our podcasts and the ministry in the future, and uh, as we get into the study today, uh, Lord, let these uh, words, your your word, the words of God, uh, run swiftly and find themselves uh, falling on ground that uh, needs what's about to be said. Uh, work us, uh, work that ground, plow it up, and uh, help us to hear what it is that you have to say to us in particular, and to each person, Lord, that tunes in, and uh, let it make a difference in our lives. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start uh, now by reading Isaiah 40 and verse number 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. If you have not yet memorized this verse, boy, I recommend that you begin working on memorizing it soon. Uh, you are going to need it. This speaks to the subject we're talking about today, waiting on the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31 is the most famous verse in the Bible that speaks to the subject of waiting on the Lord. And it gives you promises here. It says, uh, in so doing, you'll mount up with wings as eagles. Uh, you will run and not be weary. Uh, you'll walk and not faint. And uh, that sounds uh, blessed to me. That sounds like something desirable uh, to be able to soar above the problems 
uh, of this world, to be able to soar above the issues that you have to deal with in life, to be soar, uh, to, to be able to soar up and uh, get a, a godly view of things. I mean, sometimes when I'm up in an airplane, I look down and I, I just think about the view that God has uh, from even much higher up than I am. But he sees it all. And if you want to be able to, to get perspective, mount up with wings as eagles, if you want to be able to run your race that's set before you uh, and not be weary, if you want to be able to walk with God and walk the walk down here in this earth and not faint, if you want to claim those promises, uh, then you got to go through the process of waiting on the Lord. One of the most painful and contrary to my nature lessons that I have ever had to learn is the lesson of waiting on the Lord. Uh, it seems to be a lesson I still find myself learning today and relearning and uh, perfecting as the Lord works to perfect it in me. But uh, it is a necessary uh, lesson. It's one of the most painful and contrary to your nature lessons that you'll ever have to learn as well. This lesson of waiting on the Lord. And for both you and me, it's going to be one of the most necessary lessons that we have to learn. And it's a lesson that must be applied virtually every day of our lives. It's a lesson that we will need to be, it's a lesson going to need to use in virtually every area of our lives. And it is a lesson that when applied, it'll yield great and satisfying results uh, after the agony of exercising it. And it, and it is uh, agonizing in, in exercising, waiting upon the Lord sometimes. But um, it's, something that's, uh, it's something that's incorporated into the Christian life. It's really something that's incorporated into life uh, general, in general when you just think of the subject of waiting um, as such. You know, as far as the world goes, the idea, the idea of waiting is both contrary uh, to our society as well as ingrained in our society. I mean, it's contrary to us to have to stop and wait for things like we do. It's contrary to uh, human beings to, that when they're driving to have to stop and wait at the stoplight. You know, it's a, it's a pain. And you're just sitting there sometimes um, thinking, man, this thing has taken a long time. And, you know, when you just miss the green light and or going through the yellow and you get stopped there, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, and it's contrary to our nature. But, you know, stoplights, they're all over the roadways. And let's just stop and think for a moment. And thank God that they are. I mean, if you've ever driven in a place where there were no stoplights or stop signs um, or, or anything like that, it's a mess. Uh, closest I came to that was uh, being in the Ukraine on a missions trip back in the uh, uh, mid to late 90s. And um, we were driving on the roads there, and there was, uh, I was at, we were actually riding in a, in a taxi, and the taxis basically were different people that would kind of line up, kind of like they do today with um, the Ubers and the lifts and so forth, uh, but they weren't official. Just people would, uh, you know, give you rides and, and you know, charge you money for it. But the street signs and there were there were very little, and it was like wall to wall. I mean, I it seemed like we were like about six or seven abroad in the city, uh, going in the same direction, waiting for somebody to be able to pull in and go through. And there just was a lack of that infrastructure with the stoplights and the stop signs or people paying attention to them. So it's a pain to have to stop, but you know what? By having to stop, you can actually get to where you're going uh, quicker uh, when it comes to driving on the road. Uh, in life, again, I, I find this incorporated in our society, even though it's contrary to our nature, but, but people have to wait. They have to wait while they work hard to earn a degree to be able to graduate uh, from uh, college and go into the uh, field that they are desiring to go into. Uh, people have to wait regularly. We, we have to wait for important days 
and dates to arrive while we're waiting for something that we're looking forward to or that needs to be done and taken care of. Uh, we have to wait in lines at the store. Uh, we have to wait in lines at the bank, uh, in the drive throughs etc. Et so uh, really the idea of waiting is built into society um, even if people aren't waiting on the Lord. And the idea of not waiting is well ingrained in our society as well. I mean, our society is an instant society, uh, starting some years ago with things like uh, instant coffee and uh, instant tea and instant mashed potatoes. But uh, you know what? No, no one has ever made any instant mashed potatoes that could ever really compare to the real thing. And there is just something about waiting for a thing to have it done correctly and right that that's worth waiting for. Uh, and here we are in a, we're in our, a microwave, microchip society, and it's set up for us to get things faster and faster, whether it's food, information, you know, or computer processing. And look, I, I don't mind having those things work fast and efficiently. But what we have to remember is that there are some things that we have to wait for. And in the Christian life, there's, uh, there's the necessity of waiting upon God. And in the Christian life, sometimes we are in a hurry when God is not. And so we must learn to wait on the Lord. Some of the best things in life, they, they take time to mature. Uh, fruit takes time to grow and, and ripen. Um, bread takes time to rise and then to bake. Uh, people take time to grow up. You know, if you uh, eat the fruit before it's ripe, uh, you'll likely get sick to your stomach. Uh, if you eat the bread before it's cooked, uh, the same thing. You're, you're likely to get sick to your stomach as well. Trying to do things in life before you are of age or have gone through the proper channels uh, will likely get you in big trouble. But people, you know, they want to do what they want to do, and they want to do it when they want to do it. Uh, kids, they want to eat dessert before the meal. So do some adults, by the way. Uh, teens and young adults and other unmarried folks, they want the privileges of marriage without developing the relationship and waiting to get married. Uh, we want what we want. We want it now. That's human nature. We want it now. Some people uh, want to get married so bad that they won't wait for the right person to come along. But instead, they will just uh, settle for what's available to them. Uh, some people, uh, you know, they in the Christian life, sometimes we want an answer to prayer so bad that uh, we'll force an answer instead of waiting for the answer from God. And sometimes uh, we have to wait for the answer. Sometimes uh, it just takes time because the Lord's working things behind the scenes. I want to take you to Daniel chapter 10 if you're following along in, in your Bibles. And in Daniel chapter 10, uh, Daniel's doing some praying. And right there at the beginning of the chapter, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. Uh, listen to the description of this man. Sound if he, look, see if he sounds familiar. 
Uh, his body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms as feet in color to, pol- uh, to in likened color to polished uh, brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Uh, very much like what we read about the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection body uh, in Revelation chapter 1. But he continues in verse 7, Daniel 10, verse 7. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them. So they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision. And there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption. And I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. When I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when I and when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Interesting. From the first day he set his heart, uh, well, that was 21 days ago. Verse 2, he was mourning three full weeks. Uh, verse 3, he didn't, didn't anoint himself at all till the three whole weeks were fulfilled. Uh, 21 days. Three weeks, Daniel. Uh, three weeks ago, Daniel had started to pray and seek the Lord's face, and God began to send the answer right away. But it took three weeks to get there, and you thought the U.S. postal system was bad. Hey, but listen, God's got something else going on, uh, and there's spiritual warfare that's taking place, as well as God working all things together for good, uh, a la Romans uh, eight twenty-eight. But in verse thirteen, it says, "But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. There's spiritual warfare. There's unseen spiritual warfare uh, between principalities and powers taking place. And uh, God heard Daniel right away. And the Lord noticed. Sometimes the Lord takes a while to answer our prayer. We think he doesn't notice. He doesn't care. Oh, God notices. Nothing gets by the Lord. And he sent that answer, but for the the purposes that were beyond what we could see uh, with human eyes, that answer to prayer took three weeks to get there. And look, we, we want God to move sometimes, maybe a lot of times, maybe all the time. We want him to move more quickly than he is moving. Uh, sometimes it even seems like we need God to move more quickly than he is moving. Uh, sometimes it feels like we are hanging on for dear life, and if God doesn't do something fast, we aren't going to be able to hang on anymore. anymore. And, and to that end, look, uh, let me just add here, uh, it's okay sometimes to ask the Lord to hurry along the answer. Uh, there's three examples from the Psalms, which I'm going to give you, uh, where uh, the, the, the call has come um, for quick help because of the situation. And in part, the psalmist prays in these three different places, the particular psalmist that's of the psalm uh, that is coming says, Hear me speedily, answer me speedily, deliver me speedily. He's praying for a quick answer to prayer. And look, some of our prayers do call for quick answers. You know, Peter's sinking beneath the waves, and uh, he cries out, uh, Lord, save me. 
You know what he needs? He needs a quick answer to prayer. And if God doesn't, if God doesn't answer quickly, um, he's going to be sunk. And immediately when he prayed that, Jesus saved him from drowning in the sea. Uh, there's other times, though, when, when we get impatient because we're stuck here in the sands of time while God is working from eternity. And, and even when you do pray, hear me speedily, uh, you've got to learn after you pray that prayer just to simply wait upon the Lord for his perfect timing. Again, he's working from eternity, and, and God's waiting for everything to line up right sometimes before he sends the answer. He's moving behind the scenes, and it takes trust. It takes faith to wait upon the Lord. And look, everyone, everyone needs to learn this lesson of waiting on the Lord. And if you will learn the lesson, then you'll soar to great heights with God. Uh, For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And let me say this, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that you just sit by idle and do nothing either. Uh, Think of a a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant. Uh, They work but while they're waiting, but what they're doing is they're waiting on the needs of the customer, at least in theory, if you get a good one. But they're waiting on the needs of the customer, and they're, they're watching to see and waiting and making sure that the customer's needs are met. And uh, this is the idea of waiting on the Lord as well. We, we wait for him to answer, but we continue to wait on him in service. This is the idea of Romans 12, 7, when it says, uh, let us wait on our ministering. Uh, I learned great lessons in this area, uh, helping my dad as a young person. Lessons about waiting, serving, waiting. Um, and sometimes it's it's a mixture you know, of the both. You're, you're waiting uh, to be able to do what you're supposed to do uh, when it needs to be done. But my dad, I, I would be his uh, helper. I was the only son, and and I was the um, main helper in, in regard to some of the dad jobs that he had to do. And so he might be working on the car, and he'd be underneath working on the vehicle, and uh, I would be his uh, gopher. And that is, he'd, he'd need something, and I'd have to go for this, and then I'd have to go for that and uh, get him the tool that he needs. And, boy, I'm going to tell you that um, a lot of times there was much consternation between his request for a tool and me going to the toolbox and trying to figure out what that tool was and hoping I got it right when I brought it back. And I didn't always get it right. But I, I was his gopher, and I, I had to basically stand around and wait until he needed something so that I could get it for him or hand him something or hang on to something or hold something in place. Uh, he, he had me do that with uh, various projects, whether it was uh, planting trees um, uh, or even uh, working on helping him build the house that he was building. Uh, when I was just about uh, my young teenage years, uh, he built the house uh, which we would eventually move into and did a lot of the work himself. And you know, I, I would sometimes spend a long time in any of these projects. Uh, I think I remember helping him put up a, a tower for an antenna tower, and I just kind of have to be there. <laughs> but but I'd spend a long time sometimes in each of those projects just not doing much at all, but just waiting on his beck and call, waiting till he needed me to do something. It was not exciting, I mean, from my standpoint, but it was necessary. Now, I'm going to tell you it was necessary in two areas. It was necessary to help him get the job done, but it was also necessary to build character in me 
something which I, uh, if I understood, I think I understood the, la the, the first one I gave you about helping him get the job done, uh, as painful as it was for me, uh, but uh, I didn't understand that character part until later. When he was building that house, uh, I spent uh, hours and hours there helping him work on our house. Helping him, helping with various things. I mean, from the beginning, I remember just uh, holding the end of a chalk line, uh, which he would uh, have to then snap on, down on the concrete, um, or even on the uh, uh, the wood flooring. I remember um, being in the upstairs, uh, just waiting for him uh, to tell me to feed electrical wire to him down uh, in the downstairs where he was, and, and many other things. Look again, these jobs were not exciting. And a lot of it was just, just sitting around, you know, with trying to occupy my mind while waiting on him to tell me what he needed me to do next. And they, the, the jobs were not exciting. Look, in fact, they were downright boring. It was all said and done, though, and the house was built. I'm going to tell you, it was worth it all when after this job was finished and, and we were you know, getting ready to move in. And, and we might have we moved in at that point. But was it worth it all when he told me what a big help I was to him? I mean, when he told me that, I was shocked. I really didn't think I did much to help at all. But when he told me that he wouldn't have been able to get it done without me and, and what a good job it was, I'll tell you, it was worth it at that point. And that reminds me that if we wait upon the Lord, serving him, ministering to his needs, faithfully waiting upon his beck and call, then one day when we get home to heaven, he's going to welcome us home with the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And it'll be worth it all for what could be better than that, to hear the Lord Jesus say those words after we've served him uh, down here by faith. Uh, when my, again, my dad told me what a help I was to him. It didn't seem like much, but you know what I was? I was to him an extra set of hands and an extra set of feet that he needed and um, through it all, God was teaching me to wait. And here we are down here, Jesus, up in heaven at the right hand of God, but we're his body, and we are for him uh, another set of hands and another set of feet and another mouth uh, to, to be able to work for his cause. And back if you're in Isaiah 40 or have access to it, I'm going to back up a little bit from the verse and get you the context of it some more. I'm going to start in verse 28. Where the question comes, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And, and then I'm skip ahead where he says, they shall walk and not faint. And even when you do, he'll give you power while you're waiting. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall fall, faint, and be weary. That's the young people. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Look at that context. How necessary it is for young people really to grasp this thing. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And so here... In Isaiah 40, verse 31, in the context, God teaches us to wait when we are weary, particularly there in verses 30 and 31. He teaches us to wait when we are weary. I want to show you another place now where God teaches us to wait uh, when you are worried, when you're worried, Psalm 62. And in Psalm 62, beginning in verse 1, 
Here it says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall, shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Uh, here's a, a, a place where somebody's dealing with uh, difficulty, and it's the psalmist, although he talks about these other people, uh, maybe even himself kind of like in the third person, applying it beyond himself. But he says in verse 5, in relationship to what he just got done speaking, the first four verses, my soul, my soul, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. I mean, there are situations in life that can worry us. He's got uh, somebody imagining mischief against him. They're consulting to cast him down from his excellency. They're delighting in lies, speaking lies against him. I mean, well, we might say he's in a, a worrisome situation. And listen, when you're worried or your tendency is to fret or those walls are closing in or the enemy is closing in, you need to learn to wait upon God. In uh, that uh, passage, um, it starts in verse 1 with waiting and it ends in verse 5 with waiting. The psalm, the psalm will go on, but he says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. Now salvation, uh, we talk about it uh, largely in relationship to being saved from our sins, and that's, that's the most exciting and important part of it for us. But salvation can also come into play beyond just the salvation of our soul, but the salvation in the situation. Uh, in a battle, it's deliverance, it's victory. Like when Jonathan wrought that great salvation for the children of Israel uh, in the battle in First uh, Samuel chapter 14, I believe it was. But he had wrought a great salvation. And so here in this salvation, he's waiting for, or in this uh, situation, he's waiting for the salvation as a deliverance for God to come up, come and, and deliver him. He was his only, he only was his rock and salvation, his defense so he's not going to be greatly moved, but he's got to wait instead of moving and doing something uh, beyond uh, what he's supposed to be doing, just uh, cleaving to the Lord. And then again, it, it ends in the passage in verse 5, or where I ended the reading, uh, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Wait, we got to wait instead of worry. Uh, my wife told me about a song that she used to listen to, a Christian song when she was younger, uh, from this uh record album I think it was called The Music Machine and she learned uh, this song when she was just a child it was a song about having patience and uh, it starts out as a peppy song about everybody getting frustrated uh, with this slow snail named Herbert and then the chorus has the snail uh, slowing things down and slowly singing uh, this little song that goes something like this have patience have patience, don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think of all the times when others have to wait for you. That's Herbert. <laughs> Slow and everybody's frustrated with Herbert. But you know what Herbert teaches us? A great lesson about being patient. Have patience. Don't be in such a hurry because when you get impatient, you only start to worry. 
Notice again in Psalm 62.5, My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. How often is this uh, verse violated? How often we're waiting on something else instead of God. We're waiting on our circumstances to change instead of just looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Certainly we'll want the circumstances to change, but our focus and our waiting needs to be directed toward God and not upon, not toward the change of circumstances. For even if the circumstances never change your, your liking and satisfaction, God and the Lord Jesus can sustain you. That's why we need to wait only upon uh, him. I mean, he's the one that uh, can move the, the circumstances to change or keep them the same. My soul, wait thou only upon God from expectation is from him. Wait thou only upon God. Not on that check that's supposed to be coming. Not on that tax refund that's supposed to be deposited in your bank account. I'm not saying you can't look forward to it. I'm saying that your spirit needs to be waiting on the Lord because even if it doesn't come when you want it to come, uh, you have a God that's in charge and a God that that ought to sustain it can sustain and ought to satisfy you wait thou only upon God my soul wait thou only upon God not on somebody else that's supposed to come through for me my soul wait thou only upon God not on the government uh, wait thou only upon God not on the gas prices going down not on anything or anyone else but the Lord as we go through all these things in earth and we see the world getting um, worse and worse, uh, we look forward to the Lord coming. And, and we, we want him to come. But even when it comes to the Lord coming, we need to learn to wait when we are wanting the Lord to come back quickly and, and rapture us out of here. It's it's not not wrong. I mean, to, to to want the Lord to come to pray for it. I mean, John said in Revelation, even so come Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Let's just be honest. For some of us, it just hadn't been quickly enough. But uh, he's on his own time schedule. And when he comes, he's not going to be late. He'll be right on time. So the Bible exhorts us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, saying, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. While we're waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it says elsewhere in the scriptures, the Lord needs to, we need the Lord to direct our hearts into the patient waiting for Christ. The patient waiting. Into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. We are in all sorts of realms, maybe every realm. We are an impatient lot, are we not? Do you know what the root of impatience is? Uh reading through Ecclesiastes uh, some years ago and, and just thinking about the, ver the, the things I'm coming through in there, uh, I discovered from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, the root of impatience according to the scriptures. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8 says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So there the patient in spirit is contrasted with the proud in spirit. And a proud man is impatient. And the root of our impatience is pride. Why should we have to wait? Why should we be the one that gets stuck at the red light? Why not the person behind us where we get to go through? It, it, we're all, we're all self-centered. And, and impatience is just a self-centered attitude. 
I mean, we, we, we like to go. We like to fly. We like to move. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we fly ahead at breakneck speed. I mean, just pushing ahead like a bull in a china shop. Uh, my dad, when I was young, he used to say, uh, hold your horses. Uh, sometimes he'd just uh, look at me and very sternly say, slow down. And sometimes that's what we need to do. We just need to slow down and wait for the Lord. I wait. Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Just wait upon him, watch for him. And just like the night watchman just who's longing for the morning uh, watch to come so he can go home and get some sleep after that rough midnight shift. He's watching for the morning, like we are, are watching for the Lord's uh, return. And uh, we ought to wait for him, watch for him, and be directed by the grace of God, the Spirit of God, into the patient waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, and when it's done, you know what? Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. <laughs> That's the end of it. But for now, the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. There's all kinds of areas in which we got to wait. We, we may be weary and we're waiting for the Lord to come uh, come and uh, give us the aid and the answer to prayer. Uh, we might be worried and if, if God doesn't do something, everything's going to fall apart. And we need to just catch our breath and breathe and, and trust in the Lord and wait. Looking for the messed up world and was wanting to come back, but uh, we need to wait, uh, waiting for an answer in in life from uh, something that uh, that we need to hear about or want to hear about. But, but but we're stuck waiting a lot of times, and waiting on the Lord. Sometimes it feels like you're just being stretched out on the old torturer's rack. I mean, here you are. You can figure your hands over on uh, above your head while you're laying down you know your hands bound your feet bound and and there's the torturer you know cranking that rack again and stretching out a little bit more and that's what it feels like in your spirit sometimes while you're having to wait but you know what it, it is actually good for us and not the torturer's rack but the waiting is actually good for us lamentations chapter 3 beginning in verse 24 the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. I, I say again, waiting on the Lord is actually good for us, stretching us thin though it might. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation uh, of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Amen. Again, again, like in Isaiah, pointing this and directing these instructions to young people so they don't miss him. Not that we who are older don't need him. We all need him. But uh, what a lesson to learn in building your character when you are young. So as you should, as you should begin to see right now, um, Isaiah 40, or by now, Isaiah 40, verse 31 it might be the most famous verse in the Bible about waiting on the Lord, uh, waiting on the Lord, but it is by no means the only one. Um, I've been really amazed at just how many times the Lord references this subject of waiting on Him uh, in the Scripture, and the the amount of times that He does and the amount of attention that He gives to it. Uh, it punctuates the importance of the subject, and it punctuates our need to be reminded of this subject and to take heed to it. Uh, here's some more. Hosea chapter 12, verse 6. Therefore turn thou to thy God. 
Keep mercy and judgment and wait on thy God continually. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Let me show you um, something, Numbers chapter 9, uh, a lesson uh, that really has to do with waiting on the Lord as well. Numbers chapter 9, I'm going to begin in verse number 15. Numbers chapter 9, verse number 15. And on the day that the tabernacle was, was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, and at even there was upon the tabernacle as it were the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. This is the children of uh, Israel in the wilderness after the crossing of the Red Sea in that time while they're in the wilderness before they go into the promised land in those 40 years. Numbers 9:17. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle... Then after that, the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle, many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was, when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents, and according to the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And so it was, when the cloud abode from even unto the morning, and that the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they journeyed. Whether it was by day or by night that the cloud was taken up, they journeyed. Or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents, and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. At the commandment of the Lord they rested in the tents, and at the commandment of the Lord they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Now while we don't see the phrase, wait on the Lord there, it, it is a lesson in waiting on the Lord. And, and the idea was very simple. When that cloud covered the tabernacle, uh, that, uh, that they were to just wait and they were to wait for the cloud to lift. It might lift in a day, it might lift in two days, it might lift in a month or a year, but they couldn't journey until it lifted. Now when you think about this, when a cloud descends upon this earth, we don't see it as a cloud. We're in the middle of it. To, it, 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 it appears to us and, and we call it fog. And when you get a thick cloud down on this earth and, and that fog's before you, you can't see. Matter of fact, sometimes they talk about um, you know the fog lifting. And as the fog does lift, then you view it as a cloud. But while you're in it, it is a cloud and it and it blurs your vision or it limits your vision. And and the illustration here in a spiritual sense is, you know, he that doubteth is damned if he eat. When you can't see your way clear to, to knowing what the Lord wants you to do, the lesson is you're just to sit still. You're to wait. You're not to make any big decisions until you know what it is the Lord wants you to do. You're not to, to try to cram a square peg in a round hole and force an answer to prayer because you feel like you have to, to do something. If God hadn't given, given you any additional light on what to do, then you already have all the light that you need on what you're supposed to do. And you know what you need to do? Wait for the fog to lift. And when that fog lifts, you will see clearly what to do, and then uh, you can move. I'm going now to Psalm 27. 
Back to the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 27, verse number 11, it says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. When that fog lifts, the, the path is plain. And following this, and, the, and uh, I'll skip over verse 12 for the time being, but uh, for, for this study, but in verses 13 and 14, following verse 11 there, uh, he couldn't deal specifically with waiting on the Lord. And in verse 13, he says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. But uh, I want to recommend you also uh, work on memorizing those two verses, Psalm 27, 13, and 14. <laughs> we would faint if we didn't wait on the Lord and believe to see him come through for us. And the exhortation uh, of David in verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Repeatedly, we are instructed to wait upon the Lord. In Psalm 25 and verse 21, it says, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. And there is David praying directly to the Lord and reminding him that he's uh, waiting on him. Let me show you another uh, story about uh, waiting on the Lord. In this uh, case, somebody fails to do so. First Samuel chapter 10. First Samuel and chapter number 10. This has to do with uh, Saul. King Saul, first king of Israel, and in First uh, Samuel chapter ten, verse number six, uh, Samuel is instructing uh, Saul after he anoints him to be king. And so First Samuel ten, verse six, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them. He tells him what's going to happen, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal. And behold, I will come down unto thee to, to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and, sh and show thee what thou shalt do. All right, he's given specific instruction as the Lord anointed him king using the man of God, Samuel, to do so. He says he's here to wait seven days till I come and you tarry. Now I'm going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 13 where this stuff uh, begins to play out. For Samuel 13, 8. And he, that's Saul, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Whoa! Talk about hold your horses. Whoa, horsey here. Saul got no business offering a priestly sacrifice. He, he's not a priest. He's not from the tribe of Levi. He's from Benjamin. But he usurps the office and, of a priest and intrudes into that office and offers the burnt offering himself. Ten. Watch it. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. I mean, if he could have just held on a little bit longer. Sometimes, you know, you've, you've held on as long as you think you can. You can't uh, hold on any longer. But you can hold on a little longer. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And if Saul just hung in there a little bit longer, Samuel, who he was waiting for, would have showed up. So he no sooner gets done offering this burnt offering, Samuel shows up. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? 
And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within uh, the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore, I, therefore said I, The Philistines will come uh, down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord. He, thy God, he failed to wait on the Lord. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And if he could have just waited on the Lord a little bit longer, when I wonder, I wonder how many times we have missed out on the blessing of the Lord. The blessing the Lord would have given us if we had just waited just a little bit longer. I'm, uh, I'm winding down, but I want to take you a few more places which we need to see. Isaiah chapter 30. We'll start in Isaiah 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Verse number 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. Isn't that something? Remember I said earlier that sometimes um, God is waiting for things to align, for things to work behind the scenes, outside of our vision, so we can get everything in the right order before he sends the answer that we need, before he comes through like we're waiting upon him. You've got to give God a chance to do what he's trying to do. Again, we're stuck in time, and all we can see is what's before us. And the Lord, he's working from eternity. He sees the big picture. And sometimes if God would have answered what we wanted when we wanted it, um, the thing that he gave us would not have been ripe, and we'd gotten sick on it. So he's, he's and everything wouldn't have been in place, and he is, he's putting it in place. So just, you've got to have faith that the Lord knows what he's doing. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, Therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Now, wouldn't you like to be blessed? Wouldn't you like the Lord to bless you? Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the left. But you're going to have to wait for that direction, and wait for the Lord to come through. Because he's waiting to, to make everything be where it ought to be, the best it ought to be, to be gracious to you. Go with me, if you would, to Isaiah 49. Isaiah chapter 49. Verse 23. Isaiah 49, verse 23. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee in their face, uh, with their face toward the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. God speaks this to uh, Israel regarding their restoration, but the application of the last uh, line uh, applies universally, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. You won't be ashamed by waiting for God. You might be ashamed by getting ahead of him. 
And this idea of getting ahead of God, it's, it's really a misnomer. Because when you get ahead of the Lord, uh, you really get behind. Because you, uh, you get out of his plan, out of his timing. And you have to go back and, and retrace your steps and, and get the thing fixed up or repair the damage that you've done. You don't get ahead of the Lord. You, you just need to wait and follow closely behind him. And the next chapter over... In Isaiah chapter 50, at a point in my life when um, I was going to Bible school and I was trying to determine and discern the will of the Lord for me and, and, and what to do, and, and I, was, I wanted to know and I wanted to know now, and I was impatient. And then even after I graduated, I, I wanted to know. I knew I was called to preach, but uh, that still left three options in my mind, and that was um, you know, to be a, a pastor, an evangelist, or a missionary. And so I really didn't know what to do. And, and, you know, graduating from Bible school, you want to get out there and go. But but the Lord was still working some things in my life to be gracious to me. And I was ready to move. I didn't want to stay around, but the Lord had me stay around uh, my church there in Pensacola at uh, Bible Baptist and, uh, after I finished PBI for another year. And uh, I did some things for that year that the, the Lord allowed me to do. I got to do some extension teaching for the Bible Institute. I also picked up uh, another class. Uh, the time when we were going to school at PBI, they had decided to, our uh, first year, change it into a four-year school. And so our first year of Bible school, we didn't have to take uh, Greek. Um, we normally they take it the uh, first year, second year, third year, but uh, they're going to go for four years. And by the time we got to our second year, they changed their mind and said, "We need to get these pe- people out of here. The Lord's coming," and so they uh, switched it back to three year. So that means uh, my class was, I think, the only class that graduated without three years of Greek. Um, but since I was going to be around, I decided to just go ahead and pick up the third year of Greek. So I did that, and um, uh, along with uh, other things, working with the young people and so forth. And the extension teaching I mentioned doing for the Institute, um, you know, going to a pastor's house uh, who was already in the ministry, had a full-time job, and, and was teaching him uh, Bible Institute courses. And another thing that the Lord was waiting, having me wait for to be gracious to me, is that was a time when I met up with um, the girl who would become uh, my wife. And had I pushed ahead and gotten out of there, I'd have missed out on all of that. But I was ready to go. But it was at this time that the Lord gave me uh, this verse. Um, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number 10. It says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Now, now I'm going to stop right there. Because cause that was me. I, I feared the Lord and still do. I was obeying the voice of his servant. I was listening to the preaching. I was do what I was supposed to do. And when you fear the Lord and you're obeying the voice of his servant, you figure you're going to be walking in light. But the next thing that comes, it's, it's almost an incongruent equation. <laughs> Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? But boy, I understood it. I understood it. I, I did. I, I walked in darkness and I had no light. And then I, I see this at the end of the verse. When you're in that situation, what do you do? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. You know what that is in so many words? That's waiting on the Lord. We had a uh, we had regular revival meetings called the blowouts at the uh, church, and we did them in um, they held them in the fall and then in the winter. And it was in the fall. Uh, I just 
you know, I, I normally would have, I had graduated and I normally would have, you know, I would have been gone and, and, but this was time school was starting. And so anyway, we had that early fall one and they had some preachers come in and um, I went down after one of the messages and uh, Dr. Ruckman um, uh, encouraged the preachers that had come in to, you know, get together some of these young men that had come down to pray, you know, seeking the Lord's face. And he knew we were seeking the Lord's face. It was me and I remember another uh, guy who had graduated but didn't have any light yet. And so... Uh, one of the preachers came to talk to me. It was Brother Greg Eastep, and he said, um, you know, what are you, what are you praying for? What can I pray for? And I told him, look, man, I graduated, and I I, I don't know, you know what to do, what the Lord wants me to do. And he was asking me what I was doing, and, you know, and I told him basically, you know, being faithful, this, that, and the other thing. And, and, he, and he told me the right answer. He told me the truth. He told me the answer that we get in those situations, but the answer that none of us wants to hear. And he said, well, you just continue being faithful, doing what you're supposed to be doing right now. And when the Lord wants you to do something else, he'll let you know. And and it's not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. And what did he tell me? He told me what Isaiah 50 and verse number 10 says. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. And so I learned that. I learned to do that. It was a while after, might have been years after, before I really noticed the verse after that in Isaiah chapter 50. And and I had read it, but I, I don't think that I'd noticed it, and I especially didn't notice it in conjunction. These last two verses in Isaiah 50 are set off with a paragraph mark. They go together. And then looking at that, here's what I saw. He said, Behold, all ye that kindle a fire. Why are they kindling a fire? Because in the verse number 10, they were walking in darkness and didn't have any light. The Lord hadn't given any light. So what they're going to do, they're going to kindle their own fire and make their own light. He said, Behold all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire, and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. When you barge through and make your own light, when God hadn't given you light, that's going to be the end of it. When you kick a door open that God didn't want open, that he had shut, and you plow your way through it, that's the end of it. You're going to lie down in sorrow. I- instead, you're supposed to implement verse number 10. That's the better choice. Continue doing what you're supposed to be doing, and trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon your God. All right, I have one last thing to tell you. It's going to take us looking at two different scriptures. So hold your place in Isaiah. Um, we're going to be over there in chapter 64 in a moment. But right now, I'd like, I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is uh, really a, a, a fairly familiar verse. And it says this in verse number 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And uh, if you're like me and have noticed that verse, you've relished it. And we understand, you know, the half has never been told. And the Lord's, and verse 10 has revealed these things to us by his spirit. But uh, we still haven't seen him yet. And, And so we're looking forward to that day when our faith becomes sight. But the verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 starts out with the words, but as it is written... That's an indication that this is a quotation from a previous scripture that has been written in the Old Testament, and it is. 
And so I want you to go back to Isaiah 64, and I want you to look where it was written. And this is what we read in Isaiah 64, verse number 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, the Lord replaces the word wait with the word love because we show God our love for him by waiting for him. Just like it is true in earthly relationships that love waits. And God sees your waiting upon him as your love for him. And you want to show the Lord you love him? You want to show him you love him? You wait. You wait through the hard times. You wait through the difficult times. You wait for the answers to prayer. You wait instead of pushing yourself through and pounding that square peg into that round hole or busting down that door that uh, should remain closed. You wait until the fog lifts and the Lord gives you light. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. So wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. I, I was waiting for you to make sure you were done before I hit that sound effect. <laughs> wanted, to, wanted, wanted to make sure I wasn't. Good timing. You did I wasn't it. rushing. <laughs> but uh, great lesson, and and boy, Man. there's a lot there. And uh, let's go to the uh, to the other pastors, uh, Pastor Steve. Amen. Uh, valuable lessons and principles there for young and for old. For those who have been recently saved, and those of us that have been saved for a while, that, that was a real blessing to my heart. In fact, uh, you talking about your dad and building that house that brought back memories for me. Both of us are Midwest boys. I don't know if it's unique for Midwest boys, but the, <laughs> I went through something very similar. I remember him telling me he wanted some sort of tool, and I'd go to look for the tool. I had no idea. I'd come back with the wrong thing, and maybe two or three times, and then he'd get aggravated and go find the thing for himself or whatever but uh, I re it wasn't a house for me it was uh, it was building a garage and uh, I remember you know going out there in, in a, a fall day cloudy rainy and and uh, the we're putting on the siding that slate side not slate but uh, slat siding and uh, old stuff they don't use it anymore but uh, you know we're putting that stuff up the, the water's coming off of the roof and landing on our shoulders while we're doing this and snapping chalk lines and and uh, you know just being miserable and and fingers are cold and trying to hold that thing in place and you just let it slip an eighth of an inch he's hold it up hold it up hold it up you know and <laughs> trying to keep it on the chalk line and and just being miserable and having a lousy attitude uh, there'd be other days when I'm still out there trying to work on this siding with him and my friends would come by and say, hey, Steve, can you play? And I'd look at Dad, he'd just shake his head no, you know, and I had to stay there. And and it was just, it, like you mentioned, it was like torture at times. And, and sadly, I have to admit that my attitude was terrible. <laughs> and he knew it was terrible. <laughs> and uh, But he, you know, kept me there. And, and he was trying to teach me lessons, and I'm just stubborn as can be. And wouldn't learn the lessons and 
But uh, I remember, uh, you know, at the end of it, uh, like you were talking about having your dad say, well done, uh, my dad put up a, a basketball court for me and uh, had a place there where I could play basketball anytime I wanted to and had a place where all the friends would come around. And uh, instead of them wanting me to go off and play wherever they were, they, they wanted to come over and play where I was. And, and uh, I remember not really deserving that uh, basketball court. The attitude that I had towards him was, was absolutely terrible. You know, I was a 12, 13-year-old kid, and of course that's about the age when they all start to turn. But uh, I, I think of how many times my attitude towards the Lord for whatever I was doing, whatever I was asked to do, and, and doing it grudgingly or whatever, and uh, how uh, many blessings I might have missed out just because of a bad attitude and, and didn't see what the Lord was trying to teach me. Unfortunately, in my life over the years, I've had to learn them over and over and over again. And uh, if we take heed to some of the things that you talked about here today and just had a little bit of patience and realize the Lord has a purpose in it all, that it's going to benefit us that we could uh, indeed just wait on the Lord and he'll work the thing out and work it out so that uh, maybe the blessing isn't as maybe we wanted, but in the long run we see it as a blessing and it turns out for a good. And uh, I would I would admonish anybody to just heed what Pastor Strobel talked about today and just uh, learn the lesson once. Don't learn it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, just have the patience and don't let your pride or arrogance or thinking that something is beneath you. Uh, to do something. I, I can't mention the number of times I've come run across people that when you ask them to do something, they think it's beneath them. And uh, sometimes those things that you you seem to think are beneath you are the stepping stones to get you to a place where the Lord can find out if he can trust you or not. And those lessons in waiting are, are a huge part of that. So appreciate the study, brother. Amen. Oh, man, that was a great study, and, you know, it makes me think of uh, every time I read this verse in uh, Psalm chapter 118, verse 24, it says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we sing that, that scripture song in our church here in, um, in Point Hope, Alaska, and it's a great scripture song. And, you know, I think about when I was growing up, and even I got to be careful about it, you know, you ever you know, have that saying, well, I can't wait until, <laughs> I can't wait until. And we say that, you know, so flippantly like that. Uh, we got to be careful though. You know, I remember my mom growing up and even now she'll still say, you know, don't wish your days away, you know, live for today. And that's really a lot of what this verse is talking about. This is the day right now, which the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I think a lot of people, even Christians, aren't rejoicing in the day that the gods made today they're they're looking forward to tomorrow they're looking forward to you know whatever could be coming in the future form possibly and not living for the lord today and uh, you know just for an example i remember before i turned 16 years old you know 14 15 years old you know at that young age you're thinking oh my goodness the days are lasting forever you know and and uh, especially before you get your you know learner's permit at 16 and driver's license you know and I just remember saying, oh, I can't wait. You know, the days are going so long. I can't wait until I'm 16 and can get that, you know. 
And then when I get the driver's license, you know, you know, you think, oh, I'll be happy then. You know, once I get in that vehicle, that'll be, you know, the pinnacle of my life. I just can't wait, you know, and wishing those days away, you know, just and then when I got that driver's license and, you know, at 17 years old, I think it was then I couldn't wait as I was a senior in high school. You know, they call it, you know, senioritis. You can't wait until you get out of high school because then I can go to college, you know, and and not living for those days in high school um, when I could have redeemed the time and, and just wishing the days away. Then when I got into college, boy, I couldn't wait to get out of college and, you know, start a career so I could make some money. You know, I remember as an x-ray tech there, um, well, where I was going to college, it was in a hospital and, uh, pretty much they were using us for slave labor for, for, <laughs> you know, not, uh, not paying us at all, you know? So we would be x-ray techs for the most part there in our second year of college and doing all these x-rays, doing all this work for the, for the, for the hospital there. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I, I can't wait until I get out of here, you know, and, and be able to get, you know, a job and actually get paid for what I'm doing, you know? And, and then when I finally got uh, a good job, then I, I couldn't wait until, you know, months and months and years pass until I can get enough money to buy a nice vehicle. You know, and then I said, oh, if I could just get this vehicle, I'll be, you know, I'll be happy and rolling in the dough and it'll be fun. And then after a while, then you're like, well, I got the car, but now I can't wait until I can, you know, save up enough to get a down payment for a house. And then, you know, it just keeps going like that. And, and uh, you're wishing your days away and you, you're not waiting on the day. You're not you're not living for the day right now. And, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to retirement, you know, at what is it, 59, 60, 65, <laughs> 70, whatever it is now. Uh, and, and always thinking, well, that, that'll be the time when I'm happy. That'll be the time. And they're just, they're not waiting on the Lord right now. And that makes me think of, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. And, um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse five says this, let your conversation. And again, that's not just, you know, your, your speak, your, your speech, but, uh, that's your manner of life. You know how you're living, let your conversation be without covetousness. And I think a lot of times, even us as Christians, we can be covetous and covet the future. You know, we can say, well, I just can't wait until, you know, this happens or whatever. And be content with such things as ye have for, uh, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I think, you know, Lord's made today, Lord's made tomorrow. Um, we shouldn't be looking so far into the future and, and not being able to wait that we don't, you know, live for him right now. And the last passage here that I was thinking of is, uh, Ephesians chapter five and verse 14 says, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. And I think a lot of Christians uh, are asleep, waiting, slumbering until finally they get to a certain point in their life when they think that's when I'll serve the Lord. That's when I'll be happy and live for the Lord. You know, I've heard people say, well, <clears throat> I'll do this once I retire because then I'll have more time for the Lord or, you know, something like that. Uh, no, do it now. Don't don't sleep on it right now. Do it. And then verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time today, not not you know, not uh, waiting for something to come up, because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And uh, I think as Pastor Strobel has said, you know, throughout this whole study, um, you know when you're impatient, you know, and you're just thinking about, you know, for this to happen in the future, um, you're definitely not going to be happy and you're not going to be content. You're covetous about, you know, something else coming up. But if you're waiting patiently, it's not consuming your heart. It's not consuming your mind. 
and you're not wishing the days away. And so this is the day that the Lord hath made, you know, live in it today and wait patiently for, you know, whatever's coming up. But don't, don't, you know, if, if I just think if I could have had, you know, an opportunity to have like a remote control where I could fast forward my life, you know, when I was 14, 15, you know, even some people probably today would say, boy, if I could just have a remote control my life and skip whole years of my life to get to this point that I would, that's not waiting patiently. And uh, so we need to wait on the Lord and we need to live in the day and redeem the time for him and uh, bring him fruit today and wait patiently. So amen. Great study. Amen. Although as you get older, I think you want to get that remote and rewind a little bit sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I could go back here. I could do that different and I can make this happen and you know, yeah, but, but yeah, what, what's the Bible Philippians four eleven? whatsoever state there I am, I am there with to be content. I'm, I'm Amen, in New York yeah. state and I'm content. That's the state I'm in. And That's it. Of course, my wife, she's looking for other states for us to be content in, and she's already planned out some trips, and we're going to be content in Maine and South Carolina. But no, I appreciate the study, Pastor Strobel, and it's good. Can I can I ask you, and this is probably a whole other study in and of itself, and if it is, we'll, we'll, you can just say, no, that's too much, I can't go into that. But for those of the folks that are waiting for whatever it is, maybe it's... Um, you know, a job or direction from the Lord, and how, how is it that that you can know it's from the Lord? Is it an impression, a feeling, something you read in Scripture? How do you know when you've been waiting? It's time for the next step. Well, there's no one way. There's it's going to be ultimately the Holy Spirit's going to bear witness with your spirit. And until that happens, until it's clear, there's that, that doubt that's there, then you know you haven't got it. But if you, have, if you have doubts, basically the rule is if it's doubtful, it's dirty. If it's doubtful, don't do it. And so what the Spirit of God does is, one of the things he does is he dissolves the doubts. And then you're going you're gonna to know. Sometimes it'll be through your Bible reading, a verse will pop out. Sometimes it'll be a message, you know, the thing's going to uh, be clear. Um, sometimes it may be after you're fasting and uh, you, you'll get the impression that this is what the Lord wants you to do you may not have complete clarity sometimes you will immediately but maybe you won't and you're going to continue to pray until again you have that clarity and so uh, as I say it's it, it can it, it's happened even in my own personal life sometimes all of those ways sometimes through a, a message something hits me sometimes again just the other things I mentioned um, so I, I, I wouldn't pinpoint it to one but it, but it's it boils down to the witness of the Holy Spirit of God. And again, that's another answer people don't like, but it's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Just just like nice. waiting. And, and I wanted to add this about this study. You know, some studies I learned, things I learned from the scriptures, just from uh, studying, uh, you know, looking up things in a concordance, um, through Bible program and stuff, and, and those are good ways to learn. But I want to tell you, th these verses I brought out here today, I got those going through the Bible and, and all of a sudden noticing, whoa, there's another thing about waiting on the Lord, just reading. And I'd mark this one, underline that one, highlight this one. And these things were very real, you know, to me in, in that respect. Not that learning things the other way are not real, but this was very, these were personal lessons God was giving me when I really, you know, over time when I needed uh, to just hone in on, on this thing and, and really wait on him. And I, I appreciate it much mm -hmm. more even for that reason. Amen. Amen. 
Well, I want to thank Pastor Strobel for bringing us the lesson today and, and the, the Bible study. It was uh, much appreciated. And uh, Pastor Bear and Pastor Matt Sutton, thank you guys for joining. I know that each of you take time out of your busy schedule, your busy days, and and you're able to join us here. I know it's much appreciated by our listeners as well. And we appreciate the listeners that are tuning in. And again, if you yeah. have something you'd like Amen. us to cover, Amen. something that you'd like us to uh, talk about, uh, be sure and drop us a line. Um, and you can send that to me at eric at that's in the bible.com e-r-i-c at that's in the bible.com or you can go to our website at that's in the bible.com and there's all kinds of ways you can contact us there all right lord willing until next time we'll see you then press on Shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Lord.